So to start us off, I'm now joined in the studio by RJ Krishnan of Wasatch Advisors, who, along with Roger Edgeley, is co-manager of our Emerging Markets Equity Fund, launched in April of this year. RJ, it's great to see you. Thank you. It's good to be here. Now, you'll be a new name to many of our listeners, so perhaps you could talk about the, the approach that you and your colleagues adopt in terms of investing in emerging markets and selecting companies within your portfolio. Well, Wasatch has been in business for almost 40 years, and we've been investing in global equities that entire time. And our approach is pretty much the same across any market that we look at, whether it be the developed market or the emerging markets. And it's a very bottom-up fundamental process, which means we pay attention to the numbers. We let the numbers dictate which are the most interesting companies to focus on. And then we do the fundamental due diligence, which involves visiting these companies on-site in different countries, building our own earnings models, talking to the industry experts, and uh, then coming up with an investment thesis. And then if the price is right, it gets into the portfolio. If it's not, we'll be patient and wait on the sidelines. And do you think there's a sweet spot for investing in emerging markets in terms of the opportunity set and, and, and maybe the market capitalization? Yes. With this strategy, we focused on the companies that tra- trade with the market cap between $3 billion to $20 billion, And that's a very interesting subset. So these are companies that have done well, so they have a good track record, but they still have significant headroom because they're in large markets. And they have the advantage of having sufficient liquidity so you can take large positions. So it's a unique subset where we can create a shortlist portfolio, take large bets, and give you the diversification and the country effects that you would expect and generate a low-risk portfolio, actually. And obviously, the key component in emerging market investing is being able to see the companies on the ground. Right. Before we started this interview, you were telling me the number of countries that you've been to so far this year. Perhaps you could talk about that and, and maybe we could focus on an opportunity in one of those countries. Right. No, the travel is actually an integral part of the research process because uh, the numbers are only the starting point. And then what we have to do is get out on the road, meet the management teams and verify their story, uh, verify if it adds up to the numbers. So, for instance, this year I've been to Indonesia, Philippines, Mexico, Chile, Peru, Argentina. Next month I'm in Thailand. The month after I'm in India. Uh, So we do get out on the road a lot, and we think that's a competitive advantage. Uh, As a firm, we don't have a travel budget. We go take as many trips as is deemed necessary. You know, one of the trips I made recently, I said, was to Argentina, where one of the companies that we've added to the portfolio is Mercado Libre. Now, Mercado Libre is the eBay of LATAM. They have a very interesting model. They get about 55% of their revenues from Brazil, about 15% from Mexico, and the rest are from Argentina and Venezuela. And this is a stock we've been tracking for about two years. But we finally got the opportunity only in in the April of this year. And then we took a a reasonable position. Subsequently, a month later, I was there in Argentina, visited with the management team, met not only the CFO, but also met the head of payments and the chief technical officer, and came away very impressed with the with the quality and the caliber of the people. And now we've been increasing the weight in that position. So the benefit of going to see companies on the ground is that you see a broader spread of management, which gives you a better perspective on the opportunity set. That, that certainly, but also you catch things that they don't talk about in a slideshow. For instance, the thing that came through in the meetings was these people seem extremely bright, are very long-term focused, and the energy in the place was just, I mean, you could almost feel it, which you cannot get in by viewing a slide deck or a PowerPoint presentation. And we were able to spend a lot of time with the CTO talking about the, the advantages of their approach and, and the technology behind the whole uh, the website. So, yeah, right. Yeah, it, it gives us a deeper look, uh, but also you, the, you get a sense for the intangibles. You know, what's the culture like? You know, how, how driven are these people? Uh, are they excited to be there? And those are things that you can't get in a slide deck. And you also mentioned you've been out to Asia. I think our listeners would be really interested in your perspective on on China in in respect of the opportunity in the rest of Asia, right. as well as China itself at the current time. Right. 
So China is at an interesting point right now. You know, we've historically been underinvested in China relative to the benchmark. Even now, we have about 10% of the portfolio in, if you include Hong Kong and China, versus 19% for the benchmark. In China, the challenge can get very hyper-competitive because capital is available in plenty. If there's an interesting idea, you will see a lot of companies spring up that try and tap into that opportunity. So we've been kind of cautious on our investments in China. The current concern seems to be on the macro. You know, is China slowing down? What's going to happen? China's still growing 7%. It's the fastest growth rate that anybody's reporting in the world. Having said that, the nature of growth is going to change. It's no longer going to be investment-driven. It's going to shift to a consumption model. So I think the companies that would get hurt are the ones that used to sell commodities like iron ore, coal, steel. Those companies are going to get hurt. But if you focus on companies that are tapping into the domestic demand equation in China, I think you'll still do well. And what, what does that mean in terms of the rest of Asia and, and, and the opportunities there? So when we've architected this portfolio, we've focused more on the domestic demand in each of these countries. So we're trying to find companies in Philippines, for instance, that benefit from what's happening in Philippines. If you look at one of the stocks we have in the portfolio, it's a Philippine bank, a metropolitan bank. But, you know, the penetration of loans in Philippines is about 15 percent. It's way lower than the developed world. So regardless of what happens in China, there are people coming of economic age in the Philippines who are going to take more loans, take more credit and grow their business. And that's an opportunity we want to tap into. Similarly, in India, Thailand, Indonesia, and in, in Indonesia, some of these banks uh, have floating ATMs because that's what's needed in, to cater to the islands. So you have unique... Sorry, they've got floating ATMs. Floating so, uh, ATMs. ATMs on a boat. That's on, a fantastic on, idea. On a boat. <laughs> but that's how you have to sort of cater it to the opportunity set that's available to you. You know, So you know, we think uh, regardless of what happens in China, uh, if you don't have an exposure to the commodity companies, I think you can still uh, find very interesting investments in all of Asia. But you have to be careful. You have to understand what's driving the growth for each of these businesses. And of course, investing in emerging markets has more political considerations than investing in, in, in developed markets. OK, I understand that you, you buy the portfolio at the bottom up, but you have to overlay political considerations. Absolutely, in, in absolutely true. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you look at how the portfolio has transitioned over the past 12 months, you can see that in play. We used to have a reasonable weighting in Russia. Uh, and now we're at zero weight, uh, purely because of what's happened at the political level. Similarly, in Turkey, we've lowered our weight because of the political concerns we have. So, yeah, we start with the portfolio from the bottom up. We come up with an interesting list of companies, but then we look at the macro and say, okay, does this make sense? Are we generating a reasonable risk-adjusted return? If not, then we have to move to the sidelines. In Russia, we made the determination that it's too risky. We we can't, we don't understand what the end game is, so we're not going to try and you know participate in that market. So we do have that overlay, the macro overlay, but it's after we've identified the companies. And finally, if I may, you're sounding very positive about the opportunity set. Is that reflected in where you're seeing valuations at the current time? Do you feel positive over the next 12 to 18 months? We do, actually. And, you know, Wasatch is in a unique position. We run global strategies, so we have the ability to go and invest anywhere in the world. I actually also co-manage a global portfolio. And within that portfolio, we have a 40% tilt towards emerging markets. And this is purely from a bottom-up process, which so means... So what, what would be a normal weight in, 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 a, in, a, in um, a global portfolio? Global it portfolio. would be about 20%. So we've so doubled, double-weighted. double-weighted the uh, emerging market piece because that's where we see the opportunity. Uh, I mean, the countries that we're very excited, very excited about right now are India, uh, Mexico, uh, Peru, Philippines. The macro situation looks great. The fundamentals are great and valuation is reasonable. It's not super cheap, but it's reasonable. Let's leave it there. Arthur Krishnan, thank you very much indeed for your time. Thank you. Any views and opinions expressed are solely those of the individuals and are subject to change. 
where individual securities are mentioned, they do not necessarily represent a specific portfolio holding and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase or sell. Please be aware that past performance is not indicative of future performance. The value of an investment may fall as well as rise and you may get back less than you invested. Returns on equities cannot be guaranteed. Equities do not provide the security of capital characteristic of a deposit with a bank or building society.